1: Welcome to episode 45 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, where I, Nick Berlansky, along with you, Nicholas J. Horwat, talk to everybody else, our loyal listeners, about the best minor league hockey team on the market, Woo! the Pittsburgh Penguins. It How are took, you, Horwat? It took
0: us till episode 45 for us to finally break down. I'm not broken, just bent. <sighs> Yeah, it's, it's a time. I mentioned to you before we started recording, I am tired. And by tired, I mean tired of this team. But I'm also really tired. Like I need a nap.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good thing for everybody. Just just the Penguins need to take a two day nap here, wake up and start the march of the Penguins and start shooting back in the right direction on the standings. But what we are going to talk about here today is obviously the Pittsburgh Penguins losing streak has climbed to six games. So we'll talk about the losing streak and all involved in that and talk about what we think the Penguins need to do to turn things around here as the calendar flips to March. And what else we're going to talk about is another hockey anniversary, the anniversary of Sidney Crosby's golden goal in 2010 was just a couple days ago. So we'll talk about that and we'll talk about where we were and how we felt As Crosby scored that game-winning goal, forever cementing his legacy as a Canadian hockey superstar. So let's start off with just the Pittsburgh Penguins of today. Mm -hmm. And of course, like we said, a six-game losing streak. I'm pulling my hair out. Obviously, as you can see, I'm wearing a Vegas Golden Knights shirt right now. We'll get back to it. Like you said, you need to take a nap. I need to take a fandom nap today. Mm -hmm. Just enjoying the rest of the hockey schedule. So the Pittsburgh Penguins, like I said, six-game losing streak it began as soon as they caught and passed the caps for first place in the Metro. So is there anything there? Do you think, or is it just happened to be that they decided to flip a switch and have one of the worst runs of the past 10 years, right? As soon as they caught the caps for first,
0: uh, genuinely, I think it may have just been some irony. Like it's, it's not that it was, this was bound to happen, but we haven't really had a cold streak at all this year. So if something was, going to come up at some point. I don't think any of us expected six games
1: worth of it, though. And regulation, too.
0: Yeah, and not even, like, good games. Like, they were... Some of them have been pretty brutal.
1: The last win for the Pittsburgh Penguins was about 10 or 11 days ago on a Tuesday night against Toronto in Pittsburgh. That's the game. The Penguins won five to two, had a five, nothing lead and then did nothing in the third period against Toronto. Mm -hmm. But following that win, which like I said, put the Penguins in first place in the metropolitan division for the first time since way back in October, when there really wasn't many games and many of a sample size to actually care after that win four to nothing loss at Toronto five to two loss at home versus Buffalo a 5 to 3 loss at Washington last Sunday. Then of course we had the trade deadline very much in the middle of this, which I think also contributes to the reason that it seems so much worse than it is because we had the trade deadline in the middle. But following that, three games in California, a 2 to 1 loss to the Kings, a 3 to 2 loss to Anaheim and a 5 to nothing loss which is just the, you know, the icing on the cake of terrible to San Jose, and the Penguins, there it is, 0-4 on their road trip, the last three in California, all regulation losses, only two of the teams that we've lost to are playoff teams currently. And to make it worse, it's not because we haven't been able to play defense, which our defense is what is currently injured. It's the fact that we've only been able to score eight Mm -hmm. goals in the last six games, and they were shut out twice, including against Martin Jones, of all people, in the last game.
0: The California trip was one that you know, many people were saying we could get six points out of this run and really turn the season around.
1: I mean, shit, I said that. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong.
0: We all were. Like, I'm thinking whenever we go, you know, we lose to LA and Anaheim, I'm like, all right, maybe we can still pull at least a win out. It's San Jose. Like, something's got to turn because. But I guess not. Five nothing. I never turned a game off so quickly in my life, by the way. After that really? third goal, I, I, I don't know if the remote was already in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> But as he was shooting it, I think I was reaching up to turn the TV off. I also had to, you know, get to bed to go to work. But
1: this morning, but such a good employee, Horwat. Such a good employee.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, I mean, I got a few things to that I put on the fan to discuss at the end of this conversation, anyway. But it's not like we're not trying. I'll give them that because I mean, in those three games in California, which probably are the only three games I'm going to discuss, I probably won't dig too far back into the Washington or.
1: Yeah, we've already discussed, we've discussed those ones those, on our last yeah. episode, so go back and listen to episode 44 if you want to hear us talk about the the first three games of this yeah. embarrassing losing streak. So now we're going to talk about the next three games of the embarrassing losing streak.
0: Yeah, I mean, in LA we ripped off 36 shots, which is a lot, and then in the next two, 30 and 30, which is still a pretty good amount. So it's not like they're not getting pucks on net, it's just, I don't know if these are just bad chances, and on top of all that, we're getting, you know, a ton of shots, but no power play activity whatsoever. One in t- one for 12 in the three games in California, which is a one for five night in uh, Anaheim. So it's more than just, you know, our defense, which people can blame the defense all they want. Yes, not having Dumoulin and Marino is hurting. Jack Johnson on the first line sucks, but you still have to score goals, yeah.
1: That's the bread and butter of this team. It's similar to the 2012-13 team that this team is built on goal scoring. And if you lose two to one or three to two, you can't blame the defense, whether or not it's injured or not. You got to score more goals, especially with players like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Like, this is something that throughout their career, we have said so many times whenever they fail to score goals and have these droughts because it is a drought. It's not something that's going to define the season. It could be if they let it turn into that. Right. But as of right now, it's just a six game losing streak. It's just the timing of it is what makes it sound worse, is because you were in first place. When this started, you're now in third place behind not only Washington, but the Philadelphia Flyers who are currently on a tear. (laughs) And now you've lost to teams that are not good. We mentioned before this California road trip, the three teams we were going to play were the three worst teams in the Western Conference. And I believe they still are even after they each got their charity points against us. So you're losing against teams that are bad and not just bad. You're losing to teams that are really bad. The LA Kings literally threw out their futures team, which is basically their AHL team, saying, "We're letting them get experience." And they go up and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins who are supposed to be a top 10 team in the NHL. Hmm. Now I get you mentioned they did outplay the Kings in the, that game, ripped off 38 shots, and Cal Peterson just had a really really good game. He also got some very lucky bounces, but when it's six straight losses, yeah, saying we controlled the pace of play and we played them we outplay them is not enough at yeah. this point of the season you need to get points at least a point we didn't even get a single pity point during those six games
0: against you know like we said against bad teams nonetheless like the kings might get the first overall pick no one is discussing that they're that bad this year <laughs> like yeah everyone's been talking about the senators maybe getting 1 2 and 4 which
1: which would be just Crazy,
0: which I just don't think is gonna happen though. I think they're doing a lot better than people are giving him credit for.
1: Yeah, they're a lot further along yeah. in their rebuild than people think.
0: Yeah, um, the Red Wings are terrible, and we'll probably get the first overall pick, but the Kings might get two. Like they're gonna be a, bot- you're a dwelling team, and Cal Peterson just steals games. Apparently, that's all I've noticed. Like <laughs> in his career, he's done it before. He just steals games. Like he doesn't. He's not the greatest goalie, but he's picking up wins where they not matter but like he gets wins
1: yeah and he's a good goaltender and he was thrown to the minors there for a while because of jack campbell now jack campbell's gone yep. And they're certainly not going to play whoever else they have in there they're going to put cal peterson there and they have jonathan quick which is still you have to give a lot of credit where credit is due they're splitting the time with jonathan quick and cal peterson they realize that the time and the clock on john quick is slowly ticking down yep. and they're trying to get a nice young team going together. And they do. We saw that first goal against the Penguins was all young guys on the power play unit. It wasn't the Anze Kopitars, the Drew Dowdies. It was Blake Lazat. It was Martin Furk who shot that hundred mile an hour slap shot into the side yeah. of the net, which was ridiculous. they are going to be a good team again. And they're in the midst of a rebuild. I'm not saying that they're anywhere close to getting to the point where they can make a playoff run. In the coming years, obviously, this season there's not a chance. But as far as the Penguins are concerned, those are the types of teams you still need to beat. Yeah, and you need to beat bad. You can't lose to those teams.
0: Exactly, and it hurts. I mean, you had mentioned before that I don't know how much you know further up we want to go, but you had mentioned before that we shouldn't be letting this define our season. Which you know, you're obviously right because that's mm-hmm. no. This season's about the season is about essentially how many injuries we've had and overcoming them to be a winning team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Honestly this six game losing streak is something we should, have, we would have expected months ago. Yeah. Like if we would have been down Crosby and Malkin and hit a six game losing streak would have been like, yeah, this makes sense. But now we're getting, but now healthy. you're getting everybody back and we make good it trades. Makes, it it and, makes yeah.
1: zero sense. Um, but and especially when you get players like Marlow and Sherry and Rodriguez added to the lineup, you start to think that, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. Maybe you over moved stuff at the deadline. Not that you gave away too much or not that any of the individual trades were, not good trades. They, I feel like they were still all good trades, and we'll get into it, but maybe you made too many moves. Maybe you switched it up a little too much for this lineup. That's something we'll get into in a little bit. I also wanted to mention, they haven't played a full 60 minutes of hockey in a long time. I can't remember the last game they played a full 60 minutes of hockey. Definitely not against Toronto the last time they won a game, so it's it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, people forget that Toronto put up two unanswered in that game.
1: And completely outplayed the Penguins in the third period. Yep. The Penguins looked like it started the six-game skid, and they played probably worse in that third period than they did in some of these games that they lost. Yeah. Or does this losing stretch change the way you see the Penns trade deadline moves?
0: The deadline moves, no. I mean, it's hard to get acclimated when your first three games in a new uniform are road games. Yeah. Nonetheless, road games for most of them, at least road games for teams that you've never played with before. Marlowe's an exception there because, you know, he got lucky with that. That's a difficult situation. I know Zucker's relatively new and been around, has played a couple games. He's played a few home games. But, I mean, he's been the bright spot so far from our acquisitions. It's kind of rough watching Shiri at this point already. <laughs> but, um, I was, like, I was going to mention a few polls I did for the fan and, like, at work today. One of them was, who are you most excited to watch? Win or lose? Who are you most excited to watch going forward? I was thinking Marlowe because he's probably got the most to fight for right now out of those four that we brought in. Maybe his last year, once his Stanley cup, he's got the most to fight for. I'd say he's probably the biggest uh, one, but uh, people are looking forward to, to Zucker on this team, which I understand.
1: Yeah. And you look at so far, he scored both goals in Anaheim and the way that him and Crosby feed off of each other has been, even though we've lost all six of his games and a lot of the play has not been good and not been good to watch. If you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, the way that Zucker and Crosby have played together is something that you should take out of these games. And we keep hammering home, Zucker and Crosby's the bright spot. Zucker and Crosby's the bright spot. It's because they are. Yeah. It's seeing somebody similar to Jake Gensel, not in the style of play, but in the way that he meshes with Sidney Crosby on that line. So that's probably the bright spot. But back to the deadline, you replaced a 30 or forward lineup in three weeks. Yeah. To a team that was pretty close to Jumping into first place before you made any of these moves. Mm-hmm. Did it mess with the team's mojo at all to add four new players in the forward lineup? I know you wanted that top six winger and you got Jason Zucker, but then you you add a Marlowe, you add a Rodriguez, you add a Sherry. Whether or not he played with the Penguins or before, that's still a new dynamic to a roster that's relatively different than when he last played for Pittsburgh. So... Do you think adding all these players and it's still just taking time to mesh and that's probably lends to the reason that they didn't have a good road trip in California?
0: I mean, it's possible. Like the Zucker one we knew was gonna happen, cause something was bound to happen. We wanted a top six winger for Crosby. Okay, mm-hmm. we got it, and they did very well together. Um, then you bring in the Marlowe trade. No, screw it, I like it. It makes sense after in the long thought of it. You know, is a guy fighting for a cup, he's gotten and we gave nothing up for it you know two trades at that point isn't much of a change in your forward core the change comes whenever you take one guy out dominic hoon and add two more so now you got to do some flip-flopping and you don't know who's going where and you immediately put one of them up on the first line and the other one could possibly be scratched come time come healthy time it's that i think may have you know really hurt it itself but that's a hard one to come by it's you don't want to add too much at some at one point, because it will mess with that mojo, like you said. So I think maybe I didn't think of it that way, but I think maybe there could be some effect there.
1: It's only been three games, so I don't want to it's not overreaction time, but it's something to me to look forward to. Right. I mean like I said, I liked all of the moves individually. I think in in a vacuum, each an individual move was a good move to make by Jim Rutherford but it's not in a vacuum. They're all in the same team now. And they're, all the moves were made by the same general manager. So if anything, I think he might've just made too many moves. They were good moves to make, but you just, you don't want to mess up the chemistry that a team has going now, whether or not that's actually what's happening. That's something that you can tell after four weeks, after five weeks, right. after the end of the season right now, which is six weeks away. So it's something that we're going to have to watch and see how they do, especially in that forward lineup, because that is what the problem was in California, was it not? The forward lineup couldn't produce anything.
0: That's what it seemed. It's been rough. And, I mean, I posted a few polls for the fan as well. Like I mentioned the one before with the most exciting uh, player going forward. But the other one was, you know, we've lost six straight. Do you think this team can turn it around? And, shockingly, of all people, people that listen to the fan, they, they're <laughs> positive about it. 70% of both polls that I posted, 70% of people are saying that we can turn it
1: around you're telling me Pittsburgh Penguins fans aren't trying to burn the city down now that we've lost six games in a row? No, I mean, especially not the ones that that listen to the fan who are very, very reactionary. Not that they're bad fans, but they're very reactionary. And you would think six games in a row, their reaction would be overwhelmingly negative. But if it's a positive thing, I mean, good on the fans. But at the end of the day, it's up to these players. Yeah, they need to know that just as soon as they lost six in a row, they can win six in a row.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'll commend the Penguin fans here. Like, proud of them for not saying throw it in because it's a six game slump which it's weird like six game slumps for other teams means the end of the damn world in football you lose six straight games your season's over but obviously that's a yeah. whole different thing
1: yeah but it's a much higher percentage of your game of yeah, your schedule
0: yeah but you know they weren't six games against good teams either so like
1: see that's the thing that gets me you lost to a bunch of bottom dwelling bums yeah Four of those games were against teams that are in the lower half of the league, probably even the lower third of the league. You can't do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll give us credit. We're positive people. I don't think our Twitter ever seems to look like it. But, I mean, I think Mark Mann may have become public enemy number one, but
1: that's exactly what he wants. That's what he wants, man. you got to stop feeding into it. So we've talked a lot about the forward lineup. There, there's another entire half of the team. One person that is apparently having a career season <laughs> is head coach Mike Sullivan. In what way? But okay. In what way is he's currently in all polls involved leading the polls for the Jack Adams Award as the best coach of the season? He's leading John Tortorella by a slim margin, but the polls that have been released so far, as of right now, Mike Sullivan leads them. Oh wait, now was here's what the you thing with about? that. What, Mike Sullivan?
0: Continue. I may, I may have misheard something, but just continue.
1: Oh, I was talking about Mike Sullivan leading in the polls for Jack Adams. Okay. Yes.
0: Okay, yeah. That, no, sorry. Yes, I agree with that. I thought I misheard something. Go ahead. I
1: think you know where I'm going, though. I believe so. If you're a Jack Adams leading candidate, you cannot continue to deploy a defense as carelessly and as blatantly incorrect as he's been deploying them these past few games and honestly the entire second half of the season since john marino has been hurt so that's what 10 games something like that two different things one and i've said it a couple times and i'm gonna say it again I, i swear to god if they keep rotating ricola and trotman it's not working it's not working Zach Trotman is not an NHL goaltender, and I don't know a goaltender. No, he's, he's not. not an, he's not an NHL goaltender, that is for sure. But he's not an NHL-level defenseman either. Right. To see him continuously getting swapped in for Yuso Rikula, I don't care if you want to get him NHL experience ahead of the NHL playoffs in case you need him. Don't do it. Don't play somebody who is going to be your ninth guy in the depth chart once Dumoulin and Marino come back. He's going to be your ninth guy. He won't, he'll be in Wilkes-Barre. So why are you wasting these games on him when you could have somebody like Yusu Rikla who's going to be there during the playoffs, whether it's in a suit or on the team? He's going to be with the team. And then Zach Trotman's not. So why are you starting Zach Trotman over Yusu It's mind-boggling to me, especially because Trotman is playing absolutely horrible. And it's not little things that only certain people catch. It's very big mistakes that cost the team in very big moments.
0: I don't have words for that. That's It's so
1: brutal watching because... This man is up for a Jack Adams this year, and he keeps playing. He keeps doing this. Not to mention the fact, and we'll get into it in a second, that Jack Johnson is still on the top pairing.
0: I think, I think this whole six-game stretch is kind of losing his touch with
1: that, and I'm not mad at it. I mean, coaches have bad games too. No, yeah, totally. But... They go through bad stretches, but this is something that it's kind of plain to see that you should not be playing Trotman at all over Rikola, and you should not have Jack Johnson on the first line.
0: Yeah, and as long as. You know, Columbus keeps fighting for a spot with all their injuries, too. It's this this one's going to go to Tortorella, I feel like. There's just no fighting it at this point. And I'm okay with it because, hell, last time... I don't time, care
1: about postseason awards.
0: Well, that too. But, like, the last time the Penguins had a coach win the Jack Adams, they like, freaking fell apart. So I'm not totally mad at it superstition-wise. Otherwise, it's... I just don't think the six-game stretch will help his case for that or... And like you mentioned, the way he's deploying his defensemen, it's it's rough. It's a rough period for everyone involved, and you just gotta get smarter with Rico. The Johnson thing, people keep saying, you know, oh, you can just move him up and d-. we might not have a choice, and we just don't know that. Like this is something that like that's an in the room situation that we don't know what the coaches are thinking, talking about, and discussing in terms of deploying Johnson on the first line. Working or not, if the coaching staff thinks we don't have a choice, we don't have a choice and the fans need to shut up about it. Because every time our starting lineups get tweeted out, the entire comment section is metrics about Johnson. I'm sure the Penguins are going to read that and
1: immediately go change their lines. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like... Exactly. They're going to react to the fact that the fans react. That doesn't really make it to the room. People don't really Whenever you do that right after every time, you know he's going to be on the first line as of right now until yeah. Doomlin comes back. Jack Johnson's going to be on the first line. Just because I'm saying he shouldn't be doesn't mean it's going to change. He's it's not going to change because I don't, believe it or not, Mike Sullivan doesn't listen to this podcast. Right.
0: And I don't think he should be either, but like I'm taking at least into consideration that we just might not have a choice right now.
1: Yeah. And that's fair, but I'm done giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm done saying, you know what? He's played better. You know what? He's more physically imposing. He's knocking people off the puck. I'm d- I'm done making excuses yeah. for him because he's always out of position. He's not hockey smart at all. He makes stupid plays, and he can't move the puck worth a damn. It doesn't yeah. matter who he's out there with. He makes that person worse, whether it's Latang, whether it's a freaking pylon. The pylon would be better without Johnson on there than he would be with him on there. It's just Jack Johnson's not Cutting it right now. And part of that might be because he's not being sheltered at all. Part of it might be because he's on the first line. He's playing the top talent in the league, night in and night out. And that's fine. And that might be an excuse. But you're an NHL defenseman right now. Don't use an excuse. Go out there, get better. Some of it, I get it. If you're not talented enough to make these plays, if you're not talented enough to make the passes, okay, you're not talented enough. That's fine. We get it. But The stupid plays, the running out of position to go hit somebody who doesn't have the puck or who already got rid of the puck 20 seconds before, the leaving your guy completely wide open in front of the net, the standing next to the net when somebody else is there jamming a puck in and not doing anything, it doesn't look good to anybody that knows hockey or doesn't know hockey either way you split it he's standing there not doing anything and he needs to be better now once he gets moved down in the lineup if that's something that is coming down the pike whenever Doomlin comes back if he gets moved down to the second pairing or the third pairing or he's playing less minutes he's playing lesser of talent then if he keeps going then you just suck but until then i'm not willing to concede that he sucks i'm willing to concede that as a first pairing guy he is the worst person on this lineup that is equipped to play with chris Tang.
0: no oh, well, absolutely Maybe Zach Trotman, but
1: <laughs> maybe Zach Trotman. But then again, he shouldn't even be in Pittsburgh anyway. Exactly. He should be in freaking Wilkes Barre, maybe even Wheeling. Yeah, that's a I'm, little much.
0: And I'm not going to disagree with anything you just you know ranted on about because it's you're right. He he doesn't work on the first line. I'm just seeing the. I'm not out here giving him the benefit of the doubt either anymore. It's just a matter of we don't know what the coaching situation is inside the room, which we shouldn't. is a good thing, but. You know, from a, as a fan's perspective and just watching games with an eye test, it is hurting watching him. I've been giving him yep. the benefit of the doubt all season, too. And I think, was it the Kings game? He, like, flubbed two moves just in the same 20-second stretch? Yep. That game, that's the game that I think really set it, like set it in for me.
1: The first period of the LA Kings game, the, the whole game of the LA Kings game, he was bad. But the first period, he looked absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. Horrendous. I could have thrown my cat out there on skates and it would have been better. He was awful. Anytime he touched the puck, it looked like they put some random person from the stands. It looked like they put David Ayers out there again and told him to move the puck on the defensive zone. Right. Although Ayers handled the puck pretty well in the game that he played in, so I won't even say that. But you know what? As much of a down... Episode that this has been and two straight. First of all, this is definitely the first time that two (laughs) straight episodes have been negative this season. So that itself should lend to you guys believing that this team can turn it around and they can. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to say that the season is over. We've said multiple times this episode. We're not saying the season is over. We're saying these last three games has shown us a lot of issues that need to be filled. Before, during the season, when we said, what's the Penguins' biggest weakness, we'd say, well, you know what? They're playing really good. They haven't really shown many issues. There's a lot of issues with this team now. We can't say that there's not many issues anymore. There's a lot of issues with this team. You better fix it. They're coming home. They're still playing weak opponents as of right now. So if you're going to turn it around, Turn it around now and start getting twos and start at least getting the pity point. Because if you don't start getting the pity point, you're in third place in the Metropolitan Division right now.
0: We're a Which point does? out of being out entirely, I think, or two points out from being out entirely, almost.
1: No, four out of from the playoffs. Be- four, four from We're being five out entirely. Up, I thought of the last team.
0: Wait, so it's as of right now as of this recording, it's we have eighty, Islanders have seventy-eight, Columbus has seventy-six, and then Carolina seventy-five. So.
1: So we we just need to be, have more than Carolina though.
0: Uh, yeah, basically. But I mean, so I we're still
1: five up of a of the last team out scenario. But at the same time, you're four points back of first place. So talk about the sky is falling with six game losing streak. The Washington Capitals have the same record in their last ten as of this recording. They have a game later today against Minnesota, so that's going to change before this comes out. But as of right now, in their last ten. Washington's record is 3-6-1. Pittsburgh's record is 3-6-1. and one. So guess what? At the end of the day, they had a slow streak. Yep. And guess what? They got back up in the first place. So if you turn it around, then they'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Also, another thing. I, I
1: just want to... Just a little silver lining. Go yeah, ahead. I
0: don't know if it'll ever go anywhere, but I want to call out Patrick Sharp for whenever the first or second intermission was happening. It was on NBC. They were talking about how the Penguins were in a cold spell. This is during the Kings game. I didn't hear him talking the entire time. The only things he, the only thing he says at the end of this segment was, eh, "They have nothing to worry about. They'll turn it. They'll turn it around. They'll be in the playoffs." That's it. It's very true. Oh, it's very true. Yeah, but that's it's it.
1: exactly what we just did. We just shit talked him for what twenty five minutes, and now we're saying, you know what? But at the end of the day, it's six freaking games, and it's an eighty two game season, and so they're probably gonna turn it around. They sh- they're probably gonna be fine. And guess what? Do and Marino's return are very near, which should at least help. Maybe not the saving grace turning this team into a super contender. It's not going to do that, but it's going to help a lot. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I just think I think just the way he said it irked me, and it just, I don't know. It made me immediately think, well, it's okay, boy. Your your Blackhawks aren't going anywhere, so
1: enjoy the desk, yeah. bud.
0: As I say, hey, sitting on really a desk. Good.
1: He's, he's good. No, he's, yeah. he's really good. He's no JR, but he's really, really good.
0: I think he's better than JR, at least. I didn't like JR. But, um, I don't know, just I'll something take. about it pissed me off. And, hey, you know what? Anyone's better than, oh, I can't remember his name now. That's a good thing. Ben Lovejoy? No. Uh, Keith Jones. Milbury, Milbury. Milbury. Anyone's better than Milbury. All of them? I don't All mind Keith Jones. All three of them. Huh? I don't mind
1: Keith Jones. But no, I think Keith Jones is absolutely awful. The one other good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is the biggest thing. If there's anything to look at, for the last six weeks of the season and think, man, the Pittsburgh Penguins can still go on a freaking tear mm-hmm. and move really high up in the standings, 14 of the last 18 games are against Metropolitan Division teams. That's a whole lot of four-point swings, man.
0: Important games, Including absolutely. four games
1: against freaking Carolina. We haven't played Carolina yet, and we only have 18 games left.
0: Important games, absolutely.
1: If there's a time to turn it around, it's right freaking now. Yep. They better. When they come back, their next game is against, I believe, Ottawa. You got to start winning games. Yeah. It's Ottawa, Buffalo, and then into the division matchups.
0: Yeah, one le- one game left against a Western Conference team, so I mean, even if, even if it gets to the point of fighting for a wild card, you gotta win as many games as possible coming down that stretch. Mm-hmm.
1: The rest of the Metropolitan Division teams are coming. Yeah. You see what Philly's doing. Even the Rangers, before running into Philadelphia this past weekend, losing two straight to them, even the Rangers were on a hot streak, won I believe nine straight road games, which is Ridiculous, and they're fighting for a playoff spot now.
0: We just gotta buckle down. Now's the time to do it.
1: Or would you like a chance to win a $200 gift card to coolhockey.com? Absolutely. Wouldn't it be great? $200 to coolhockey.com? Well, guess what? All of our fans, all of our listeners have the opportunity now. The tip of the iceberg and the Hockey Podcast Network have partnered with Tankathon and Cool Hockey to bring you our first ever draft lottery contest. All you have to do to enter is go to tankathon.com slash NHL, click the Sim Lottery until you get an outcome that you like, screenshot that, and head over to our Twitter page at Iceberg Podcast. Just retweet, tag a friend, and comment on our pinned tweet with the screenshot you took. The entry with the closest Sim to the actual draft order will win a $200 gift card to CoolHockey.com and you have until April 4th to enter. One entry per Twitter page. You have to be following Cool Hockey, Tankathon, and HockeyPodNet. But still to come, we're going to talk about another Olympic anniversary as it has been 10 years since the Penguins' captain, Sidney Crosby, netted the golden goal for Team Canada. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever
1: you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 45. We've done a lot of shit talking on the Pittsburgh Penguins for the second straight episode here at the Tip of the Iceberg. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined by Nick Horwat. We're done talking crap on the Penguins. Let's look back at something that Might be a good memory for you or might be a bad memory for you. It all depends on, one, what your outlook is on the Olympics, and, two, where you're from. Mm -hmm. It is the 10th anniversary of Sidney Crosby's golden goal on February 28, 2010. Sid scored the OT goal, capping off a 3-2 win for Team Canada over the United States in the Vancouver Olympic Games. The U.S. tied the game at two with just 24 seconds left on goal by Zach Parise back when he was worth buku bucks. The U.S. As you mentioned in your article, Horwat, the U.S. has still not won a gold medal since that crazy 1980 Olympics. So do you personally remember where you were when this happened?
0: My living room. I was watching the game. I was 2010, so I was probably... Uh, wait, now I'm not going to be able
1: to... How watch. old are you now? Subtracted by 10.
0: Yep, that'll do. <laughs> oh, no, I was 12. About to be 13. Yeah, I was just sitting in my living room. I remember at the time, I didn't really... I wasn't too in, interested in it being a rooting for my country kind of deal. I fit, Even at the time, I was thinking if anyone was to have that goal, it would be Crosby. Obviously, it happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, you had mentioned the fans being a part of it. Actually, before I continue, you go ahead. Where were you? Because I was just in my living room watching the game. Uh,
1: I was at Planet Ice in Johnstown. I just finished up a free skate, got off the ice, and watched the ending of the game. I didn't I didn't see the entire first half of the game, but we watched the second half of the game at the rink. We were actually upset, you know, yep. e- even though it was Sidney Crosby. And we'll get into this next part that you started getting into. Yeah. It's, I mean, how did you feel watching your favorite franchise player beat your home country? Like, you said it's not really about – it wasn't about the country at that point in the Olympics. You were more excited it's, to see, wow, Sidney Crosby, the Pittsburgh Penguins guy, yeah. just scored the, the game-winning goal. And I agree. If I, if it was going to be anybody, it better have been Sidney Crosby. Yeah, it's it
0: was a weird situation. So, I can remember at the time, the Penguins had a home game like two or three days later, like their first game mm-hmm. back from the Olympics. And there was talks of, is Crosby about to booed. get booed? Yeah. <laughs> and he ended up not being booed, I'm pretty sure. And and they definitely cheered for him because, you know, he scored one of the biggest goals in hockey history. Mm-hmm. I think Paul Zeiss was talking about it shortly after I put the article up on the fan. He's saying that the Olympics aren't really about country pride anymore because of the way people put so much love into their favorite players, stuff like that. And you want your fan favorites to win regardless of where they're from. He's not totally wrong about that. Considering how many people were all for Crosby winning a gold medal, even before it happened. I can remember watching the 2014 Olympics and, you know, hoping Canada would do something mostly because you know USA didn't even medal that year, but um, it's, it's definitely getting more, especially with the big sports. Like, hockey and i can't think of a summer sport right now that is like team wise it's mostly just running and swimming so yeah when it comes to the big sports of the olympics in winter it's you know hockey so you're rooting for your favorite players regardless of where they're from and it's definitely a different dynamic like we're gonna also get into when professionals are there i think when professionals are there it definitely does take away from the country pride thing because It's, yeah, obviously the NHL players being there gives it more attention and gives it more skill and ability. But when it's just amateurs, the way I see it is that restores a lot of the pride part of it, a lot of rooting for your country because you don't know almost any of the names. And I think there's way more competition in it because if you put the professionals in, especially in hockey, it's going to be pretty dominated by Canada and there's no other way around that. Sweden will step in, Russia will still have its people, but it's something to really consider is that the amateurs make it competitive, at least.
1: And the way I would do it is this, and of course, you touched on the next, the last topic we're going to talk about is whether or not the NHL should let their players participate in the next Olympic Games in Beijing 2022. And we'll get into that discussion. But you mentioned having these kind of no-name players whenever there's not NHL players allowed to go to the Olympics. And that's what it was. Yeah. There's not many big-name players. Ryan Donato, who is now a part of the Minnesota Wild, was the captain. You had Brian Gionta there, who ended up making him getting himself an NHL contract for a little while after the way he played in the Olympics. But it's all about the stage. If it's the Olympics and it's not NHL players, yeah, there's more country pride. And if you want more of a sample size to that, every winner, there's the World Juniors. Yeah. That is all country pride. Yeah, no, t- That is absolutely. 100% country pride. You watch the U.S. team when they beat Canada a couple years ago. You watch the the rivalry between the U.S. women's team and the Canadian women's team is probably one of the top rivalries in the sport right now.
0: I can remember staying up and watching that gold medal game live whenever it was in Korea.
1: I think we The Monique Lamoureux one. Yep.
0: We may have been. God, me and the. Tyler and James made, I forget what time that game was, but we were up at like 2 a.m. watching it. Yeah.
1: I don't remember exactly what time it was, but the point being, whenever they don't have these mega superstars that already have a big fan following because they play in the NHL, that's where the pride in your country, that's where the rooting for your country comes into play. Now let's shift to that final question. Do you think the NHL should let their players participate in the next Olympics? I vote yes, and there, it's leaning towards that right now in the conversation between the NHL and the Olympic Committee. I would love to see, just because seeing these teams, I looked back and watched the highlights of that game with Sidney Crosby's golden goal, mm-hmm. seeing Scott Niedermeyer, Sidney Crosby, John, young Jonathan Tays before we realized how overrated he was. <laughs> seeing these lineups, it's something that, You really miss. And yes, we have the World Championships every year. But at the same time, does anybody give a shit about the World Championships other than the players? Because that's the only reason I think they care so much is because they're getting withheld from the Olympics.
0: And does anybody outside of Canada really focus on it, you know, day after day as well?
1: No, I don't. I don't think so. Exactly. It's something that during the playoffs you see, oh, well, in the World Championships – This guy scored, and this guy scored a couple goals. This guy looked pretty good, and that's fine and all. But at the same time, nobody really cares about the World Championships because it's... Because none of the stars are there. Most of the stars aren't there.
0: Or not accepting the invite.
1: And it's also at the same exact time as the NHL playoffs, which is the best hockey you're going to watch.
0: The IIHF needs to consider moving that. Because if you get people accepting the invite and not having to be during the playoffs it might have a i'm not saying it'll be on you know fox sports every night i'm saying it'll at least be there'll be a little more attention given
1: at the same time the reason i think all these players go so much is because it is during that time because even if they do tweak a bone uh at an ankle or tweak a knee or a shoulder here and there they have four months to recover
0: yeah and i understand all that but i'm just that's just my perspective from it but when it comes to the olympics and it being amateurs I get it having it you know, be, as a, for a country, you want your best options. You want your best athletes. Mm-hmm. Not giving them that opportunity hurts the country itself, and I get where they're coming from with that, which is why, yes, I'm also going to lean towards letting the players in because that's what the countries want for their teams to win and for their countries to win. As for me, I think, like I said, this is just my thought on it. It just being amateurs adds more country pride into it because it's more to fight for. Either way, it's interesting to watch. I think I lean more toward seeing who would win between Canada or USA if there's professionals involved, and then if it's just honestly amateurs, or Russia,
1: Sweden, and Finland. Yeah, those are the Power Five, and it's always fun seeing those guys go head to head. Yeah, and
0: if you know if professionals are involved, it's gonna take away a little bit from me. I'll kind of more watch hockey than cheer for a country. If it's just yeah. amateurs, I'll be wearing my damn flag every night. Like it's how it is that's just my opinion on it and if it's wrong i get it i i see everyone's opinion on this because really
1: i mean it's your opinion so it can't really i mean people can say it's wrong yeah. but at the end of the day it's it's your freaking opinion it doesn't really matter so yeah. we both lean towards yes the nhl should let their players yeah. go to the beijing olympics yeah. because it's just a better product overall mm-hmm.
0: it is better product overall i might not be as
1: nationally know, nas-
0: like more patriotic about it but um I mean it's that also, That also depends on who's on Team Canada. Like, if it ends up being a bunch of people I already don't like, well, then you lost me on that. Because I'm usually always torn between USA or Canada, regardless. That's just my view on it. I mean, people will have their opinions on it, too. Just Of course, they should be their country pride, shit like that. I get it. I'm not here to argue with anyone. I'm just here to shoot my opinion out and say that, overall, seeing Crosby score that goal 10 years ago, regardless of who you root for, was one of the biggest goals ever. Mm-hmm. and it will always be that it hurts watching your country lose it's cool seeing your hometown boy hometown boy you know what i mean your franchise guy be the one that does it and you're in between on it so yeah if you like if you didn't like seeing your country losing you wanted to boo crosby you had every right to do so root for whoever you want and having the professionals in gives a better product having the amateurs puts more patriotism into it that's yep. the summary
1: summarizing it up right now and even like you said when Crosby scored it was damn the United States lost (laughs) but hey Sidney Crosby scored the goal and that's gonna be really cool moment to watch over and over again yeah of course but that's all for this one you can follow us at iceberg podcast on Twitter our show is brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can follow them on Twitter at hockey pod net every team everywhere and let's hope to God the Pittsburgh Penguins decide to start playing like an NHL team again because like we said only 18 games left in the season you got to make a move We'll see if the March of the Penguins starts out well against Ottawa on Tuesday. So have a good one, Pens fans.